Father, I just want to pray for a few people who need prayer today, Lord. I remember a man called Mark this morning. Father, he's been told that his cancer is terminal. We want to pray for him and ask, Lord, that you will draw near to this man, Father. Your hand will be upon him. That you will speak to his heart, O God Almighty, and that you will draw him nearer to you. Bring comfort to him. Give those around him the right words to say, the right words to speak, we pray. We raise this man up to you, O God. Father, think of my dear brother Tom James, Lord. He just tells me that he possibly might have skin cancer. He's not too sure, Lord, and he's concerned about that too. So we want to remember Tom and, and raise him up to you in prayer, Father. And after your hand of blessing will be upon him, Father, that you will strengthen him and watch over him in that situation. Gracious God, we want to pray that as we open your word today, we ask that you will give us attentive hearts and ears. Help us to not hear a man speaking, Lord, but help us to hear your word being spoken. Father, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been going through the last two weeks just speaking to you about the marks of true Christianity. And we have spoken about, and, and John even mentioned today, that some people don't know what a true Christian is. They think that because they're born in a certain country, they haven't been born in Pakistan, they're born in England, and that's because that makes them a Christian. That does not make you, as John clearly said, a Christian because you're born in a Christian, so-called Christian country. People who say things like that haven't got a clue. In fact, the first mark that we said of a, of a Christian, a real Christian, is repentance. Someone having a real remorse over their past life. They look back and they see things that they're not happy about. They see things that they that they grieve over and they have a real remorse over sin. The second thing we, we, we spoke about is that they have a faith. Not just a blind faith, but a faith that lays hold of Jesus Christ. After looking at the evidence, looking at what is proven in history, looking at the empty tomb, looking at his character, looking at his reputation, looking at his name, you place your faith in him. And that's the second mark that, I, that, I've, that I've said. Now, if you do these two things, if you have repentance and faith, then you are truly born again. These are the two things you need in a real way to be born again. I prayed with a man last week, and as we prayed, and this man was being born again himself, tears rolled down his eyes, his face, as he wept. Because he came into a relationship for the first time with a living God. These are the two things you need in order to be saved. But there ought to be other marks. Things that you yourself can point to. And that you can say, look, I can point to this. And that proves that I belong to Jesus Christ. So what are these other marks? Well, the one we're going to look at today, there's three more to go. The one that we're going to look at today is this. 
Perseverance. Perseverance. So let's just start this off by looking at enjoying Christ. The first thing that I must say, that there is no better life than the life of a man or woman who is born again. There's no better life than someone who's a true Christian. To live a life free from the burden of guilt and shame. To live a life where you um, are not destroyed by bitterness and unforgiveness. You don't allow that to rule you. Where you look at other people and you treat them with respect, knowing that they are created in the image of God, just like you are created in his image. To have integrity, to have wisdom, to have understanding, to have a a, a moral lifestyle that is not in the gutter, but a moral lifestyle that is much more raised up. To want to be a good man, a good husband, a wonderful father. To want to be a a, a good wife, a good woman, a great... um, 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 Other things come out of my mind, but to be someone who just because I'm a Christian, my, my value system is raised up. I went to, um, to Barking just the, yesterday, Saturday, and, and as I went into Barking, pulled in to the car park there, walked in the high street, and I was looking around and going past people, you know, the people in that area, they look so lost. As I walked around and I looked at their faces and, and, and they looked like they had no direction, they looked miserable, they looked so empty. And as I went into, um, into Costa Coffee, because I was going to see um, and my friend Anthony, who'd just become a Christian, went to see him. When I saw his face, his face beamed with joy. And we sat down and had coffee together, and he said this to me, I feel so new. And this came to mind. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And when I walked in barking, all I saw was old lives. Lives that seemed to be wearied and tired and miserable and lonely. But when I met a man who came to Christ, I saw a new thing that took place in his face and in his life. There's nothing like being a Christian. Nothing like being born again. Nothing like having God, the Almighty, as a friend. Nothing like having God as a saviour and as king. Nothing like being filled with the spirit of the living God. There can be nothing can be compared to it at all. In fact, Jesus said these words, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus turns around and says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Again, the Spirit of God says this, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. I love what Jesus turned around and he said to the disciples, you know, don't be afraid. You are worth more. 
than many sparrows. And I like what Jesus' words here, when he says, um, over in, in John 10, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. The Christian life is indeed the best life anyone can lead. The Christian life is a life that has more fulfillment. You can't find any other fulfillment anywhere else except in Christ. It transforms you. It elevates you. It gives you a higher desire, higher um, 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 longing to be like him. Often when we read in the New Testament, when someone gets touched by Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ touches a life, we read in the New Testament, they follow him, walking and leaping and praising God. But the real mark of a Christian is not that you can rejoice when you have answers to prayer, but if you can persevere when there is no answer. The real mark is not that you can persevere, not that you can rejoice when you have answers to prayer, but what are you like when you don't get the answer you really are looking for? What are you like then? What are you like when heaven is silent? When the sparkles seem to be, to be gone? When the, the glass seems to be empty? What are you like then? In that hour? Can you persevere in that time? Now, that's the hour. That's a question of, the, of, 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 our, of our, our, our session today. There's three areas where perseverance is needed. Three areas where perseverance is needed. The first area, then, is accepting teaching, accepting the teaching of Christ. A wonderful mark of someone who's a true believer, a true Christian, is when they can accept and persevere through some hard teaching. You know, there's many hard teachings in the Bible. Lots of them that ask things of you that you may say to yourself, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that, but it's hard teaching in the Bible. For example, love your enemies. That's not easy. Or for example, turn the other cheek. Someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. That's not easy to do. How many times should you forgive your brother? Seven times? No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Keep on forgiving him. That's a hard teaching. I had a friend who, um, who comes here and, and, and he had a situation on his hands. His daughter was being um, physically abused by her boyfriend. He used to come and see his daughter and her daughter used to have a black eye or, 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 or fat lips. And, and, and he, was, he got so concerned that it drove him crazy. But one time... After a few years, a few months went by, this same guy came up to him, met him in the street, and put his hands out and said to him, I want to say sorry, can I shake your hand? 
in his heart, he wanted to rip his head off. Hard teaching. What are you going to do as a Christian? No, me and, me and John at the back, we had a conversation there, didn't we, John, of a situation that you was in. And, and John had to go back and he came to me the following week and the jury, I put it right. I didn't do what I wanted to do. It's a hard teaching. Now, Jesus had many people following him. And um, they saw his miraculous signs. They saw his character. They knew his reputation. He had a great name. He was very famous. Huge crowds were following Jesus. But then he began to teach. And as he began to teach them, and share the word of God with them. We read these words. He went on to say. This is why I told you. That no one can come to me. Unless the father has enabled them. From this time. Many of his disciples. Turned back. And no longer. Followed him. You see Jesus was teaching. About what happened in the desert over in the Old Testament when God gave manna or bread from heaven and the people who received the bread ate the bread and was able to carry on in their journey. Now Jesus is saying, now you need to, you need to look at me. You need to see me as your food. You need to see me as your drink. You didn't see me as the only one that can sustain you. I'm the only one that can keep you. You need to feast upon me. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. You need to me to be able to give you life. That was what he was teaching. And he turned around and said this in his word. He says, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread, me, he says, will live forever. Now, when he taught that, we read that on hearing this, many of disciples says, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And they started to turn around. Oh, they were following him and the miracles were flowing. They were following him when the feeding of the 5,000 and they had their bellies full. They were following him when he was saying nice things. But when he began to teach that they need to rely upon him, they need to feast upon him, they need to be sustained by him and him alone, they said, oh, this is a hard teaching. I don't think we can handle that. And many, says the Bible, turned around and begin, began to leave him. Now, the true Christian, the true believer, the person who's truly born again, when they are faced with strong teaching, they have a strong desire to understand and to live by it. They will say with the Peter, Simon Peter, they will say with him, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Who can we go to? Who can we turn to? 
You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. That is what a true Christian says. When he sees that the teaching might be hard, it might be difficult, others might want to turn away, but he says, no, where can we go? I need to focus upon the one who has the words of eternal life. Now, this is challenging, I must say. Our modern day, the Bible gives clear guidance for how to live in our modern world. Think about it. Why is our society in such a state today? Just think about it. Why do you think the family is so broken? Why is there a growing drinking problem? Not in pubs, but in houses and homes. You know, my dear mum, you know, she's 85. You know, my dear mum, she can polish off a bottle of brandy in two days. Dorothy, you might want to take no way. Um, I don't understand how my mum does it, but we laugh. But, you know, drinking is a problem. We had two women in this church. One woman who was 47, 48, left a 19-year-old girl, her daughter, behind and died because she drank so much behind the curtain. Another woman in her 50s died in the streets in Hillifields, used to come to this church, died on the street in Hillifields, was found dead one morning through drink. Why do you think that there's all these young men getting stabbed in London? Where are their fathers? We see the mums crying on the TV screens, but where are the dads? I'd like to know. Where are the fathers of these young men who are being stabbed? Why is there a rise in our society of child pornography? Why is there corruption in government, corruption throughout the church? Why? I'll tell you why. Because our nation has said, we don't need this book. Oh, this, this book, who needs it? It's ancient, it's old, 2,000 years ago. We don't need it. It's too narrow, it's too strict. Do's and don'ts. We don't want this book. We want to be autonomous. We want to do what we want to do. We want freedom, they say. And look where our freedom is getting us. Don't just look at what I'm saying. Look for yourselves. Look where our freedom is taking us. Now, a man who is truly Christian, a man who is truly born again, or a woman who is truly born again, will say and will know that when God speaks, he speaks in order to protect their lives. When God turns around and says to a young man, do not sleep around, or a young woman, do not be sexually immoral. He says that because he doesn't want you to get a sexually transmitted disease. He doesn't want you to have an unwanted pregnancy. He doesn't want you to be in the abortion clinic. These things he doesn't want to happen for you. So when he says, keep sex within marriage, he says it for a reason. And even though others may say, that's a hard teaching. 
to the man who knows God and to the woman who loves Christ, they will say, it might be a hard teaching, but I'm going to live according to the word of God. I'm going to persevere. Everybody says, live loosely. Everybody says, drink and get married. Everybody says, have sex as much as you like. But I'm going to persevere and I'm going to go the way God wants me to go. A true mark of a Christian is someone who can persevere through hard teaching. That's the first thing. The second thing I want to say this morning about perseverance is bearing shame. Another area which marks a true Christian is how they live. Now, life has a way of throwing things at you. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, everybody has to deal with bereavement. Everybody has to deal with loss of employment. People deal with that, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. But to the Christian, there is an added problem. John mentioned a little bit about it, about Pakistan. Look what the Bible says. It says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus turned around and said these words. If the world hates you, keep in mind that you hated me first. And that's so true. The, um, sadly, because you are associated with Jesus, because you're associated with the Bible, because you come to church and worship God, that automatically comes from other people a dislike for you. I don't understand it. They look at you and say, well, we don't really want to hang out with you because you, you belong to Jesus Christ. You don't swear, you don't curse, you don't lie, you don't cheat. You, you know, there's something different about you. So therefore, we want you to be away from us. In fact, look what the word of God says. He's strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And Paul says this, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this will be so true to those two ladies in Pakistan. Imagine that woman who's hiding. Can't come out of hiding, need to be supported and helped because she's in a country where they hate Christ. How about a woman who had to leave her whole family behind? Would you like to do that? Leave your mum and your dad and your brothers and your sisters and leave them all behind and have them talk about you and hate you because you're chosen Christ? Well, that is the reality of some people in our world today. Now, it's when you face the mocking from others. You go to church. You pray. You read your Bible. That's crazy. No one does that now. And people tend to put you down and they begin to turn around and say, well, he won't join in with us. He won't smoke pot with us. He won't take drugs with us. He won't lie with us. He he won't gossip with us. And because they won't do that, they begin to look at you and jeer and mock you. It's at that point that the true Christian perseveres. The one 
who truly loves Christ, at that point, perseveres, keeps going, don't turn away. And he remembers this. Jesus had worse treatment than what you're getting. Than what the Bible says. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Consider him who was mocked, jeered, spat upon, slapped, beaten. Consider him. And when you consider him, you say to yourself, you know what? What I go through is nothing in comparison to what Christ went through. And so the Christian who's truly born again perseveres through whatever life throws at them. I've been a pastor here for nearly 20 years. I have people come to me and say things to me. I'm not coming to your church again because God didn't hear my prayer. You won't see my face darkening the, the doors of this church because I prayed and prayed and it never happened and they leave and I think to myself, well, you didn't persevere. You didn't really know him because even when the clouds come over you, a Christian man, a Christian woman who's truly born again will say with Job, though he slay me, I will yet praise him. The third and final way, and with this we wrap the message up, the third and final way of a Christian, a person who's truly saved, perseveres, is a focus on prayer. Persevering in prayer. Mark of a true Christian is the ability to keep on praying. You see, a person who only claims to be a Christian because he comes to a Christian country, or he goes in and out of a church every now and again, doesn't see the need to pray. He will say things like, what's the point? Why talk out loud? Why speak and say you're praying? That is a useless waste of time. A person who does not know Christ will never place any value in prayer. But a true Christian, Someone who's truly born again will know the importance and the need to persevere in prayer. Listen to Jesus. Then Jesus told told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You want to read that parable, go to Luke 18. I'm not time to go through the whole parable. But here's the parable. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a parable. I'm going to tell you a story. I want to show you how important prayer is. If you're truly my disciples, if you're truly following me, I want to tell you that you need to keep on praying, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on, keep on in your prayer life. Do not waver. Do not give up. Do not put it down. Keep on praying because God will hear you. Look what he says in the end of this parable. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. That is the man, the woman, who continues to cry out to God day and night, continuing to pray, persevering, asking, 
in the knocking. And God says, I tell you, he will not put them off. Or going to the book of James, we see another man. Look what he says in James. Elijah was a man or a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The thing is here, Elijah was a man, even as we are. He wasn't special. He was like you and me. That is the point of this little verse here. He was a man, yet what did he do? He was able to keep on praying, seeking, knocking, asking, crying out to God. He persevered in prayer. Now I know that one of the weakest areas in all of our lives, well in many lives, I say all of our lives, let's say in many Christian lives, one of the weakest areas, I have to say, is in our prayer lives. Here, we struggle. It is the most important area, but in this area, it's very challenging. When a true Christian, someone who's truly born again, still find it difficult to pray, and we all do, what, they do, what can we do about it? I'll tell you what he does about it. When a Christian man or woman who struggles in prayer, this is what he does. He speaks to God about not speaking to God. He goes back to him and he says, oh God, I lament that I don't pray enough. Oh God, I should be on my knees far more than what I am, but Lord, I am not. He is concerned. He laments. He is troubled by the fact that he's not praying as he ought to pray. That is the mark of a true Christian. Let me end with a story as I close. There was a man by the name of John Nelson Hyde. They nicknamed him Praying Hyde because he was constantly on his knees in prayer. This man actually was a missionary in Pakistan. When he went there in 1904, it was India, but um, we know it now as Pakistan, where he went there and he spent years witnessing and sharing Christ. But his main work was on his knees. When he was close to death, someone came up to him and said to him, um, John Hyde, he said, do you have any regrets? He said, yes, I have one regret. What is it? I wished I prayed more. I wished I prayed more. That's it. The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, that won't do. It's nice to have it every now and again, but God calls us in to have a deeper walk with him. 
God calls us to leave the elementary things behind and begin to cry out to him and to pray and to seek his face. And when we're not doing that, we lament and we say, oh God, won't you change my heart? Won't you give me a desire for prayer that I do not yet have? The man and the woman who is truly born again is concerned that they're not praying as they ought to pray. Is that you this morning? Have you come to faith in Christ and repented from your sin and you're in the kingdom? That's wonderful. But another mark that you can point to and say I'm truly a born again Christian, I truly belong to Christ, is the fact that I can persevere. I can persevere when clouds are around my life. I can persevere when difficult situations come in. I'm still in church. Even though I'm breaking inside, even though I'm weeping, I'm still crying out to God. Can you say that is true of you? If it is, my dear friends, then you have a mark that no one can take away from you. The devil will come up to you and say, you're not a Christian. Look at you. You're in sin again. And you can turn around and say, listen, I know I'm in a place that I shouldn't be, but I've been persevering. I'm still crying out to God. I know that I belong to him. Is that you this morning? My prayer is that everyone here this morning will know that they're either in the kingdom or outside. Because if you know that, then God himself will begin to work in you and draw you closer to himself. Let's let's pray. Oh, gracious God. We know that our country claims to be a Christian country. And yet, Lord God Almighty, they hate your law. They hate your word. They despise Christ. And Lord, we're here in this church today and we want to give you all the honour and praise that is due to your name. And we want to walk with you. Gracious God, I pray. Transform. Change our hearts. Place in us a strong desire to lay hold of you. The same desire that those ladies in Pakistan that we heard today. The lady who grabbed the mic and said, I belong to Jesus Christ. The lady who's in hiding because she doesn't want to come out and be persecuted by, by, the, by her Muslim people around her. But would not let go of Christ. May that be us here today, oh God. That you might do a work in us. That will bring praise. And glory to Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.